0: Winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's
1: up, everybody, and welcome once again to the Links and Locks Podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from golf Bet, and with me, back again after a little vacation, Justin Ray from the 21st Group. What's up, buddy? Welcome back.
2: Well-rested, well-fed, well-watered. We're, we're good. We're, we're happy to be back in the saddle. I see the place didn't all burn down while I was away, which is a positive step.
1: We're still going. We're still going. Thanks to Amanda Rose for filling in the last couple of weeks. But we're back, and we've got some pretty good golf to talk about. We've got the Zozo Championship coming up. Uh, this week, back in Japan for the first time since 2019, where Tiger Woods won. That was that was two years ago. Tiger Woods won a golf tournament in Japan. Like I, I thought it was two decades ago. It's been a long two years, Jay ray
2: It almost feels like it was just yesterday and it was two decades ago. I don't know if that makes sense. It doesn't feel that far removed from being part of that week and seeing it happen. But at the same time, so much has happened in the world since then, and the golf world, and specifically the Tiger, that it's an incredibly short yet incredibly
1: long two years. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So in any case, um, let's get to before we talk about the Zozo championship this past weekend's CJ cup, which wound up being uh, really, really interesting. Rory McIlroy wins for the first time since winning the Wells Fargo at, at Quail hollow earlier this year, Colin Morikawa, the, the, the hometown favorite, I guess the, uh, Uh, adopted son in in Las Vegas, who plays out at the Summit Club, shoots a 10 under 62, finishes runner-up. And Ricky Fowler, who's the 54-hole leader, uh, doesn't get it done on Sunday, but I think takes some major steps in the process moving forward, finishes in the share of third place. So let's start at the top of the leaderboard. Some really interesting stuff from Rory, both uh, before the event, during the event, and after the event. So starting with before, Rory was... Interviewed in a press conference setting prior to it said, "Look, uh, I was not in a good space during the Ryder Cup. Once I finished playing the Ryder Cup, and uh, the emotion actually surprised me how emotional I became and how much golf means to me. It just kind kind of came pouring out. I wanted to go out and play again pretty quickly. Uh, during the tournament, we saw just what he can do when he's playing some of his best golf, at least off the tee and on the greens. I know you're going to get into some of those stats, which." are very, very strange, especially for a guy like Rory. And lastly, afterwards, when he said, you know, I just needed to be me again. And I needed to know that just being Rory McIlroy was enough. And maybe he'll get criticized a little bit for taking this circuitous route on his journey to get back to exactly where he started. But this is what makes the best in the world at anything. The best is a willingness to try to improve. When you're one of the best players, we went through this with Tiger for 15 years. Why is he changing his swing? He's one of the best players of all time. Well, what makes him one of the best of all time is the fact that he's always trying to get better. And so he tried to get better throughout his entire career. And Rory tried to get better, found that technically, physically, mentally, whatever he was trying wasn't really where he wanted to be. And so he just came back to, I'm Rory. I'm going to go swing it the way I know how to swing it. Let's go win golf tournaments.
2: The most jarring thing to me is from an analytical perspective through the first 2 days of the Ryder Cup he might have been the worst player on either team performance wise and wow. it was it was staggering like from an analytical point of view from a, strokes gain is imperfect it, it is an imperfect system when it's match play obviously and scoring is as well right match play is a completely different animal You can't have a perfect cut and dry analytical you know description of how a player played but the rough numbers say that he was probably the worst player on either team through two days, which is staggering. He's Roy effing McElroy. It was just such a jarring, jarringly bad performance. And then to see him come out here and just absolutely light it up and just, you know, vintage tee shots. He was second in the field and strokes game off the tee. He led the field and strokes game putting on the second time in his entire PGA tour career. He's done that for an event. That was the most stirring thing to me. I know the, the emotions after the Ryder cup and you know, his typical, incredibly honest quotes about everything, whether it's his, himself talking about the golf course afterwards, which in and of itself was highly entertaining. I thought that he was very honest about the setup, uh, even though it was a tournament, he had just won. Um, he was kind of a little bit brutal with his assessment right out the gate there. That's why we love the guy, right? The, the, the incredible peaks um, and the openness and, and the combination of of being able to you know, be honest about where he is in his career and, and constantly giving us a running insightful commentary about what he's thinking, because so often with our athletes, they either get hammered for being bland or, you know, just stating the obvious or or not saying, you know, what's really on their mind. You never feel that way with Roy McIlroy. You always get an honest answer. And it's one of the, you know, besides the excellence, obviously, and and the hall of fame trajectory, he's clearly put himself on and one of the best players of his generation How he's he's kind of narrated it along the way has been really great.
1: In my eyes, Rory was number one on the official World Golf interview ranking going into this past week, and he's only widened that margin after everything that he said both, like I said, before and after uh, this golf tournament, fire on all cylinders. But I alluded to it in there, the fact that uh, Rory had some interesting analytical numbers, and I know you delved into those numbers a little bit and looked at just how he won this golf tournament and it's a little strange first of all it was a, a come from behind win had to make a lot of birdies but was there a triple in there
2: you make, yeah, one with a triple bogey first
1: one with a triple win.
2: yeah first guy to win with a triple bogey since victor hovland last year at puerto rico happens a little bit more often than you think um i think it was like the 12th time since 2010 so about one time a season um, we'll see a player win with a triple on the PGA Tour.
1: But winning with a triple incredible. with mid-20s under par. I mean, that it's right, one thing to win right. with a triple when, hey, I just got to get back to seven under par, which is going to win a, a tough golf tournament. This is win with a triple and then really step on the gas pedal after you've gone in reverse and try yeah. to get it
0: back.
2: And that also speaks to the nature of how easy the golf course is playing. I have a Ricky Fowler number coming up that will illustrate that a little bit more. But the most jarring thing about Rory I mentioned how he was excellent off the tee. Duh, he always is. But was second in the field and strokes gained off the tee. Led the field in strokes gained putting for the second time in his career. Only other time he'd done that was at Bay Hill in 2018 when he won negative three and a half strokes gained approach for the week. That's unbelievable for a winner. How bad is that? It's the worst by a PGA Tour winner of any of them. More than 600 tournaments since Shot Link started tracking. More than three and a half strokes gained approach, negative on the negative side. That's the worst of any winner on the PGA Tour over the last 15 years since they started tracking. Now, it's a really weird kind of statistical confluence of events that led to that. He had two really bad holes in strokes gained approach on Thursday. This two, two holes in and of itself on Thursday accounted for like negative 2.7 strokes gained approach. Mm. So that really did him in there. And then you combine that with the fact that he putted out of his mind, drove the ball like Rory McIlroy, and you got this rare confluence of things to give you just the worst strokes gain approach performance by a PGA tour winner that we've ever seen. It's just a really interesting combination of things that happened. And, and uh, Rory gets to 25 under with negative strokes gained approach. It's crazy.
1: When we prognosticate on a weekly basis, just we we try to look at those strokes gain numbers as far as T to green and especially approach shots. We iron play is more predictive than I, I think anything else, you know, okay. It, If you drive it well, you'll probably drive it well the next week. If you're putting well, you might not put well again the next day. In fact, you probably won't because the law of averages kind of go back and forth a little bit. If you're hitting your irons well, that's a little more sustainable uh, for a, a longer period of time. So what do we take from this for Rory statistically moving forward? Do we say, well, he was able to win. He was able to go 25 under when he was negative strokes gained approach shots. When he starts hitting these irons, watch out because he's going to go 37 under and he's going to win everything that he plays in. Or do we look at it from the other perspective of, hey, he won, but he kind of did it with smoke and mirrors. And if his approach game isn't at least somewhere at you know, the field average, then he's not going to be able to do this on a regular basis. Which are you leaning towards?
2: It's a little bit of both. Um, I, I think that for one, like he's only ranked in the top five, in a particular pga tour event strokes game putting eight nine times in his entire career and his finishes are like half of them are wins and the others are like second third and fourth like it's if he's putting at an elite level then he's basically unstoppable now that speaks to the floor for his performance right basically week to week he goes out on the golf course he's rory mcelroy the worst he's going to play is make the cut and not be a not be in the conversation on the weekend. Right. Like that's kind of the floor for Rory and has been throughout his career with how talented he is. I do say that on the flip side, like while the putting was impressive and obviously, you know, you take, you know, pride and, and solace in getting a victory and adding to that win total. I do think that a little bit like quail hollow where he putted brilliantly. I don't think that this is necessarily predictive of more things to come because, of how erratic the iron play is so it's a little bit of column a a little bit of column b right um i think that he still clearly has work to do with his approach play and i'm sure that he would tell you the same um statistically he was i think 68 in the field and strokes gained approach i mean and i mentioned the the numbers he had negative 3.6 for the week um the worst ever by a winner so um still work to do in that regard and especially if you think about you know the one cherry left in his career that he hasn't ever won what do we talk about when we go to the masters every year over the last six, seven years, the analytics have proven that Augusta national is one with stroke skate approach. It's one second shot golf course. Exactly. And we can, it's always been called a second shot golf course and we can analytically, you know, accurately describe it as such now. Um, And that's, that's just something he's going to have to improve on um, before, you know, the thing he's got circled on his calendar in April every year. We're
1: going to talk some more Rory in just a minute and five questions. I want to get a little prediction from you and I will predict as well. A little more about the leaderboard from the CJ Cup. I'm going to gloss over Colin Morikawa just a little bit. No offense to Colin, but final round 62, finishes runner-up at his home course, the Summit Club. We'll get into him a little bit when we get into this week's Zozo Championship. He's making the trip there as well, but uh, not really a whole lot to say about Colin other than, yep, still really good. Okay,
2: awesome.
1: let's keep going. (laughs)
2: 127 on the weekend. How about that? Not
1: bad. I mean... (laughs) man the guy is good and by the way uh, we'll get to it wrong guy favored at the zozo this week i'm i'm throwing that a out guy there.
2: who if he puts well is gonna win that guy yeah, yeah. Goodness. i mean no that's kidding. iron play yeah. that you can take to the bank obviously i mean analytically over the last 15 years his only peers with iron play and stroke skate approach really are one a one-off adam scott season and tiger woods those are his peers so
0: Five minutes, five questions you never asked. I
1: got to be honest with you. I get a little irritated when somebody calls me away from my golf.
0: This is Five Under.
1: Let's go to the guy that finished in a share of third place, the 54-0 leader. Shot a one under 71 on Sunday. Wasn't his best golf, but he hadn't been in this position in an awfully long time. Only one top 10 finish in the 2021 calendar year before this. That was a share of eighth place at the PGA Championship. Ricky Fowler's coming back. I don't know to what extent he's coming back. I don't know that he's going to go win a major championship next year. He's got to get into the majors before he can go win a major. I I don't know that he's going to be fourth in the official world golf ranking, which is his highest ranking ever. I I don't think that's coming immediately. But what I do think, Justin, is that this was a very big step in the process for him, going from where he's been to where he, he wants to be, once again, he, he wants to be relevant. He wants to be a player who is in that discussion of uh, when we're going through some of the, if not best players in the game, uh, the better players, maybe the, just the next tier just below that. And I, I think he can get to that level. I, I heard from people on social media. Once again, it's it's amazing. Uh, Justin, you're on social. People like you. People tend not to like me that much. So I, I get more haters on social, I think, than you do. But it's amazing how, how hateful people can be sometimes when they just decide that they don't like somebody. And I think the fact that Ricky's in a lot of commercials, Ricky's been hyped up, Ricky's been marketed. Ricky is a cardboard cutout. When you walk into your, your, your PGA tour superstore or your other retail golf store to go buy some equipment or buy some apparel, first guy you see in there is Ricky's likeness. And I think that that has had an adverse effect in, in some relation on the public where the public says, you know what? I'm going against him. I'm rooting against him. This guy hasn't lived up to my expectations. And so I don't like him as much. And I heard from people after the tournament last night on Sunday saying, you know, Ricky can't close. He can't get it done on a Sunday afternoon. First of all, I understand the notion a little bit. He's won a player's championship. He's won four other times on the PGA tour. The guy, has can will close again secondly this is a whole different animal this is coming back from complete futility for a long time to be relevant in this tournament and i think like i said take a step towards relevance once again so what did you see from ricky this week
2: uh to speak to what you were saying about he wants to be in the big moment yeah he wants to be in the final group with rory mackerel on a sunday on the pga tour with a chance to win a golf tournament I mean, that he was in a place he hadn't been in a couple of years. I mean, this is a guy who was, you know, he was the future of the PGA tour 10, 11 years ago. And I don't get the animosity towards him.
1: Nobody signs more autographs. Nobody's more affable with the fans, with the media. He's great. The fact that Ricky has maybe underachieved a little bit over the last dozen or so years, shouldn't that make you root for him a little bit more?
2: Well, maybe that's his next evolution in his career. Now, the negative here, we say, like, uh, it's 71, 100 par, didn't play his best golf. Only five players in the field had a worse score on Sunday. A 71 lost, I think, like, three shots to the field. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was not a good 71. He lost 2.7 strokes putting. Usually, he's got to lean on his putter when he's at his best to get in contention to win. He just had a bad day on the greens, and it wasn't enough to catch full-flight Rory McElroy. Like, lower, lower the bar a little bit. Like, he had a, good, he had a really good week.
1: And by the way, that worries me less about Ricky than it would some other players. Ricky's a really good putter when Ricky gets it going. And Ricky gets it going more often than most other players. It's been part of his problem over the last year or two is that he hasn't gotten that putter hot as much as he did in previous years. But Ricky not putting well doesn't bother me as much on a Sunday afternoon as Ricky spraying it all over the golf course and not being able to find a swing.
2: Take way more positives out of the week for Ricky Fowler than negatives. That's the summation that I give. To tell you how good this field was, I know it was a limited event, no cut, but this would have been the third most, if he would have won yesterday, this would have been the third most world ranking points Ricky Fowler had ever won in a tournament in his career. So that speaks to the strength of the field. And if you're going to rag on the guy, just remember only about 30% of players with a 54-hole lead close on the PGA Tour. That's outright. That's outright leads about 30% of the time they go on to win. Usually it's a guy coming from behind math says that that's more likely than not what's going to happen
1: question number two speaking of rory he moved from 14th to 8th in the world ranking this weekend same question J. ray one year from today what will be rory mcelroy's world ranking
2: well obviously since he won yesterday he's the favorite to win the masters right that's a joke i mean that's like every time rory mcelroy wins a golf tournament that's the first thing we go to right um especially one in the months leading into the first major of the year. Um, man, I'll say sixth in the world. I'll say he has a better year than last year. A couple of wins, uh, maybe one in Europe, one on the PGA tour um, and has a strong season. Look, he, he belongs in the top 10 of the world ranking. Like to see him outside the top 10, it does not, that does not correctly belie his abilities, his talent, what he can bring week in, week out. So Let's say he has a strong year next year and firmly places himself among the top ten players in the world. Let's say sixth.
1: I was ready to put him at like third or fourth, okay. and then I started thinking about who else is there. Okay, I I'm leaving John Rom number one. I know there was a chance that if DJ had played better this past weekend, that he could have actually leapfrogged Rom and taken that number one spot after he missed the cut in Spain. But Rom's going to be number one at this point next year. Okay. Against that right now, yeah. Yeah. I mean, take Morikawa Cantley and I think Xander, and I think I have to put JT in that mix as well. And any one of them can be between two and five at any given week, and and then I fall on Rory at six. I it's going to be really, really hard to break into that top five, and that's that's with DJ dropping out of the top five.
2: That's assuming Victor Hoblin doesn't keep getting
1: better. I, I mean. That's a bad assumption because he's going to keep he, getting, he better. I, getting
2: better. He keeps getting better. The stroke skate numbers say that's a, that is a steady escalator up to the sky.
1: I, can we do it really quickly? What, what's your top five at this point next year? Oh, man. Here, I'll, go, um, I'll, 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 I'll give you a second to think about it. I'll go Rom, Morikawa, Shoffley, Cantley JT no I want to put them all second I, uh, yeah Shoffley Cantley JT uh, putting JT fifth just feels wrong too so, I I can't do this this is hard
2: it's tough I'm gonna to flip one and two I'll go more Morikawa number one wow uh, I think he wins another major next year um Rom two JT three Xander four and number five a guy you didn't mention he just will be able to pick off wins on certain golf courses that are going to lift him up. Bryson DeChambeau. Five. Yeah,
1: That too I, I mean.
2: Well, you could – I could have Rory up there, Cantley up there. The top of the game is so strong right now. I don't even have DJ on the list.
1: Right. You know, Neither one of us but DJ.
2: Brooks Kepka is listening to this, doing okay. shoulder press right now. You know.
1: That's fine. We We will be more than happy to be bulletin board material for – Brooks Koepka, I don't know how you put a podcast on a bulletin board, but <laughs> Print it out. it's like wow. Twitch material now. Isn't that like <laughs> yeah, exactly. it'll put this on a video Are game stream boards? somewhere. the last
2: time you saw a bulletin board. Neither of us work in an office.
1: No, nah, that's a good point.
2: Do they have them in offices?
1: Probably. Are our offices still mostly closed down? I don't know. I don't know how people Probably work. Probably
2: some kind of digital screen at this point.
1: I literally, this morning, you know what I do on Mondays? We're taping this on Monday afternoon, peeling the curtain back. On Mondays, I, I wake up at 7 a.m., make a cup of coffee. I come up to my office. I do a segment, a 20-minute segment with Taylor Zarzer on the starter on PGA Tour Radio. As soon as I finish that, I start. If I haven't started writing my preview column already for that week's event, I I'm either starting to write it or I'm digging deeper into it. And I just start writing, and I'm like, Next thing I know, I look around, I'm like, I'm starving and it's 1130. And that's my work day. And I've, I haven't, I walked upstairs. I mean, that literally, that was my entire prep to get ready for the day was I made coffee and walked upstairs to my office and I haven't oh, gotten something. up for four and a half hours. I do
2: not miss the Orange County, Florida tolls. All right. That mm. was a bill driving to and from Golf Channel. Your boy got really mad at over the years when I was there. Now, nowhere nothing.
1: It's nice. Are we allowed to total segue? Are we allowed to talk about Golf Channel not having the first what, seven, eight holes of the final threesome
2: of the CJ Cup on air yesterday? I feel for the folks who had to do the cutback back back and forth to and from the PGA Tour champions. I'll just say that. I feel bad for them because I'm sure they were clamoring and, and inside wanting to show the CJ Cup.
1: I've heard some talk about kind of how this works. This is, I want people to understand, and trust me, I I am not just going to bat for Golf Channel and, you know, supporting them, defending them in in any matter. That's not really my MO at any point. But that said, um, this is a lot bigger than just, Why isn't Golf Channel just put the tournament on? That's what we want to watch. It's Rory, it's Ricky, it's Colin. That's the best thing. Put it on TV. There are these things called contracts and there are rights and there are fees. And so I don't know the extent of why, when, where, how, all that kind of stuff. But it's a lot more than just some guy at Golf Channel sitting there going, ha, 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 I'm not showing you what you want to see right now.
2: I would say, I would love, look, if let's say uh, ESPN has Alabama, Mississippi state over the weekend and the game leading into it goes 20 minutes long and they'll put a notice up Alabama versus Mississippi state currently starting on ESPN news. Mm -hmm. You just know if you flip over same thing with the baseball playoffs, the games are on TBS. If one game bleeds into the other, they're like, okay, this game's going to be on TNT, right? Maybe in the next contract, Hey, we can write in, we'll throw overflow coverage on CNBC on the weekend because it's a marathon of Shark Tank. Or, you know, it, MSNBC yes. is running something about the prison system that they made seven years ago. And <laughs> those, on the weekends, no, there's no live programming on the schedule. So maybe you write in something like overflow. You know, I know they've done that with the LPGA recently, where um, I think an LPGA tournament finished on CNBC they've a couple had months before. ago because of the overlap at the PGA tour. Maybe, I don't know. I'm with you. It's more complicated than people think. I wish that the best product possible would be there for fans. And I know that's a goal. So hopefully maybe there's some way to write some of that stuff into the next.
1: Shout out to the one guy on Twitter when I mentioned it and I wasn't harping on it. I just said Lee Jansen wins. And you know, I'm not sure what's on next, I guess, back to the regularly scheduled programming. And the one guy who said, I don't know why everyone's up in arms. I love watching PGA tour champions. What a great event.
2: It was okay. either one performance art on social media or two. That man is a degenerate and had a ticket on the SAS championship. He had a hunch Lee Jansen was going to pull out the win. And he had like, he had like Jaguars Jansen parlay on that Sunday. maybe.
1: I super duper hope so that that was the case. Cause I, I mean, I'm with him. I, great pick, great play. Lee Jansen didn't win six years and Hey, you got him at the SAS and I want to watch it on TV, damn it. You can keep your Rory's and your Rickie's. All right, back to the five questions. Number three, this is a question that Michael Collins asked me on our PGA Tour radio show earlier today, and I thought it was a very interesting question, so I'm going to ask you. uh, Long-term, which player, Rory or Ricky, will benefit more from this weekend's result?
2: Long-term. I'll say Ricky. I think this, at this point, Look, it's a nice landmark in Rory's career to get a 20th win, um, but he basically went out and bullied a golf course that um, he was he was better than. Like, it, was, it wasn't was a very difficult course. He went out and made a zillion birdies, regained some confidence. Yes, it's a positive, but I talked about how the strokes and approach numbers weren't awesome, and he kind of put it out of his mind. Congratulations, you had a great week. You finished one ahead of a red-hot Morikawa. This is Ricky Fowler getting back into the conversation, right? He was like, oh, Ricky F- like Saturday night, if you've been watching college football or you're out having a life and you didn't have the golf on and you pull up your app, Ricky Fowler leads by two. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. interesting. Like, it's just something you hadn't seen in a while. So um, it would have been really keeping with the narrative of 2021 with all these great past winners in, golf, in the world of golf coming back and getting wins, whether it was Spieth and Lydia Ko or there's a bunch of other examples as well. Um, but I think it'll mean more for Ricky. I think it's a more of a positive thing going forward. Gets in the heat of the battle. And like I said, I've got you know kind of a bounce back year penciled in for him on my prediction table for 22.
1: I totally agree with you. I think that six months from now, a year from now, we might look back at Rory and say, yeah, his his run kind of started in October and he started playing really well. And we'll look back at Ricky. If Ricky does indeed start taking these steps towards uh, greater relevance and better golf, that we will point to that specific weekend and say, it was the CJ Cup. That did it, and that propelled him to the place where he needed to be. So, all right. That was question: like how We felt
2: Spieth at Phoenix, right? Now Spieth at Phoenix he yes. won the shot sixty-one. He didn't win the golf tournament, but that was where we saw. All right, it's coming. It's here. Like he's he's turned it around. So.
1: Great analogy. This will be his Love it. Uh, question number four: Too much serious stuff. Let's get to something fun. PJ Tour goes from Las Vegas to Japan. I give you one all expenses paid trip for one week. Which one are you taking, a week in Vegas or a week in Japan?
2: So I have always wanted to go to Tokyo. Um, mm. I think it's a fascinating city. I feel like it'd be like going into the future almost with as technologically advanced as they've been for so long. Um, I've been to Vegas a handful of times. I love Las Vegas. I have a bunch of fun, you know, as, as one does with the typical, you know. I'm on a gambling podcast, for God's sakes. Of course I love Las Vegas. But, <laughs> but I mean... Tokyo, that seems, that's like a once in a lifetime thing, right? Like I can make a jaunt to Vegas on a weekend and I'm going to do it at some point, you know, coming down the road. I'll take all expenses paid to Tokyo.
1: Yeah. I think it was kind of in how I phrased that question. When, when the expenses get paid, you go, well, Tokyo sounds pretty good. I can go to Japan when it's just, Hey, where do you want to go for a couple of days? It might be, well, I might have more fun in Vegas. I, I think it's just a, the phraseology is important Vegas,
2: a week you're gonna do a week in vegas you're gonna need a salad and a jog after a week in vegas right i
1: I mean you're allowed to leave you're allowed to like go off campus for a minute and like leave the strip
2: (laughs) but but will i will i have that control
1: you know what you shouldn't because uh yeah some information here that i could leak out to the rest of the public uh, you wound up taking that. We're in a college football pool with uh, a lot of heavy hitters from our old ESPN days. Um, I don't know if I can mention names. I, they, they, they don't like to be associated with gambling when they're doing sports center shows with bad beats on them. So uh, I don't, I don't want to mention any names, but uh, I got you into the pool this year. You're in the college football pool, 10 games every week, uh, all worth a point plus one game that's worth uh, two, your key game of the week. And Justin Ray was your winner in the pool this week.
2: That's the high point as an alumni of the university of Missouri and a fan of the Houston Texans. I can tell you that was by far the high point of my football season so far. So, and your
1: key game this point. week, your key, your two point game, the one that you had the most confidence in was
2: Aggies over Missouri.
1: Yep. Hands down. Same.
2: Worst rush defense. Go just, <laughs> just entertain yourself and watch 10 minutes of Missouri trying to stop the run. <laughs> I love my alma mater, but we, come on, yikes, <laughs> big yikes. That's
1: an some eligibility left, don't you?
2: My knees and back and, you know, the, my, I might give you a few snaps, maybe, but.
1: Their knees and their not backs not, don't look I mean, much better.
2: No, it, it can't be much worse. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think my wife would frown on it, but, you know the best right. part is when you book i booked a trip to go watch them in november and i booked it in like june because when mm-hmm. you're married mm-hmm. and have kids and a career that's the kind of look ahead you have to have sure And i don't know that they're going to be four and six when i go see them but now uh eh, i mean better beat vandy is it the vandy game you're going to no, I'm going to the South Carolina game. So that's Carolina,
1: That's possible. not much better. South Carolina needed a last-second win over Vandy this past weekend, listen, I believe.
2: Missouri still has to play Georgia. Okay, not looking forward to it.
1: That's going to be interesting.
2: I'm just glad I'm not around Lavner every day right now. He's got to be very obnoxious. Shout out to my my guy Ryan Lavner. Proud. Of yeah,
1: no, he's he's annoying anyway. When his team that's is true. good, he's extra annoying. All right, question number five. I alluded to it earlier, and we're going to use this as a segue into. The next segment of the pod, but is the right player favored for this week's Zozo Championship? And I assume that you've looked at the odds already, Jay Ray, but I will let you in on what they are. And for those who haven't looked yet and haven't noticed yet and are just getting into it, Xander Shoffley plus 550 is five and a half to one in a very top heavy, a limited field, 78 players in Japan this week, and uh, a handful of whom are coming right off the Japan tour, some names that we don't know and aren't that familiar with. He is plus 550, Colin Morikawa plus 700. The reason I ask this question is because I personally believe the wrong player is favored. What do you think?
2: Uh, did they see Colin Morikawa on Sunday? He's pretty good. He's 62? He went 65-62 on the weekend. How's that? I, I mean, look, it, Xander, obviously, going back to where he won the gold medal, um, the same, not the same golf course, but the same it's not the same golf course.
1: No, same country.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Just confirming, yeah, same same country. Uh, by the way, I read an article referring to Hideki Matsuyama as the hometown hero. Guys, it's a country, it's not a town. <laughs> Throwing that out there. Um, I, I would probably put Morikawa slightly ahead of Xander Shoffley, um, just based on what he did last weekend. And um, yeah, yeah. Look, Xander, fantastic, and he's going to be near the top of the board, rightfully so, everywhere he goes. But I'm with you. I probably flip him, and I have Morikawa just ahead of Xander.
1: I like that. When they come back to the States, I guess there's Bermuda next week, and then Mayakoba, if I'm thinking... So like when they go to Houston, right, fire on Colin Morikawa. He's the home country favorite. Home he's from the you. U.S. I don't know. He's he's from the U.S. They're playing in the U.S. I don't know. Sounds like a perfect fit.
2: California, Houston, what's the difference? Yeah,
1: same thing. So, yes. Let's do better, guys. Hometown Let's hero better, for Hideki do Matsuyama. Better. Um... Yeah, now I look. Colin Morikawa, I believe, has won if we don't count Xander's gold medal victory, which wasn't an official PGA Tour victory. It's kind of a weird one. Counts for the official World Golf Ranking, not for the PGA Tour. You're shaking your head and smiling. I don't know. He won the low net at the Tour
2: Championship a couple years ago. Oh,
1: that one too. Yeah, I mean, this is a weird. There's a lot of weird stuff, but. There is a way where you could say, Colin Morikawa has won five PGA Tour events since the last time Xander won one of them. Yeah. Sort of, kind of. some
2: caveats in there. There's a yeah. lot of
1: caveats. Yeah. No caviar. Uh, yeah. So there's some win equity there, is basically the point. Sure. I, if you had given me, you know, give me all the numbers, give me the odds of the entire field this week and put names next to the odds, I absolutely would have had morikawa and Xander flipped this week so all right that said let's get into the odds for this week uh like i said Xander five and a half colin morikawa is seven to one top heavy field hideki at 14 to one wills Zalatoris making the trip he's 18 to one tommy fleetwood i think is very interesting this week 22 to one ricky fowler i uh, did not expect to see him at 25 to one anytime soon but there he is alongside joaquin neiman Jonathan Vegas at twenty eight to one. There is a quick drop off when you get to Jonathan Vegas at twenty eight to one. This thing is dropping off a cliff in a hurry. Cameron Tringali it's and Alex Noren. His last
2: seven starts, Jonathan
1: Vegas. Uh, I look, he's playing very well, which explains the well, yes. shorter odds. But it, uh, yeah, so he Tringali and Noren at twenty eight. Charlie Hoffman, Siwoo Kim, who was awful this past weekend, uh, may have enjoyed himself in Vegas. Not sure, I can't confirm. like
2: Siwoo more after he plays really poorly. He's just such a volatile player. One of the most fascinating guys in professional golf from an analytical standpoint.
1: I had heard rumors that Siwoo is a Vegas kind of guy and might have had fun last weekend. I, I don't know. I just a rumor.
2: Why wouldn't
1: you? So, all right. Uh, who do you like out of that top tier? It's hard not to like the guys at the top, the very top, but I'm not betting Xander Shoffley at five and a half to one. I'm just not Yeah.
2: Uh, so I I did an analysis of this is a very short golf course they're playing this week. It's under yeah. 7,100 yeah. yards. I went through and looked at over the last four seasons how players have played on courses under 7,100 yards. Um, Xander's numbers are outstanding on those short courses. His numbers are really good everywhere, obviously. Uh, but he averages nearly five birdies or better on courses under 7,100 yards the last four seasons. And that span, the only player with 20 or more rounds on such courses to have better birdie average are Rory and Phil Mickelson. So, and I'll give you this. a top me, rookie, by the way. Yeah, it was interesting that Phil was there. Uh, top heavy limited field kind of screams Xander Shoffley to me, right? Olympics tour championship, you know, it's just, it's kind of, it, uh, Maui, he's got a litany of these kind of wins in these events. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not going to have him for a win. I've got him for a top five finish. I think that there's a little bit more value than that. Um, I think the floor is incredibly high for Xander this week. Um, not crazy that he's the betting favorite of Morikawa, as we talked about, but um, some really good high finishes there. Um, you know, at the top of the board, that's probably the guy I like the most. Hideki Matsuyama, runner-up on this golf course a couple years ago to Tiger. He's another guy who really sparkled in that analysis I did of short course players. Of everybody in the field this week, he has the best scoring average on courses under 7,100 yards the last four years. So that's something to keep in mind. You wonder is you know, the weight of going back to Japan, and it, I don't I don't know how that factors in um, the pressure he might put on himself to perform um, in front uh, of the fans in his home country. But um, really good numbers on those short courses, like I talked about, makes a ton of birdies. Might be able to find a little more value in him as a DraftKings play than maybe a outright win or a top five pick.
1: I, I tend to agree with that. One of the my favorite quotes. I ever heard was uh, speaking with a Japanese journalist about Hideki for a piece I was writing probably about 5 or 6 years ago and I was asking her about Hideki because they spend a lot of time around him and she said well he doesn't speak much English but he doesn't speak much Japanese either meaning he's just a quiet dude and so there was there was a time when the idea was Hideki goes back to Japan and all the the, the camera flashes, all the eyeballs on him, the, 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 the attention that he's getting back in his homeland is going to have an adverse effect. That he's, you know, he just doesn't want all the pressure. He doesn't want all the attention on him. But in his last three starts over the last three years in Japan, he's finished second, fourth and eighth. And so I think he's kind of gotten over that. And I think that it's probably not worrisome at all. And I agree. Probably not betting him outright, but I think he's a really nice uh, key component for a DFS lineup. I mentioned it also, uh, another guy who really intrigues me this week. Can't you see Tommy Fleetwood being inspired by the Rory McElroy victory this past week? I I think that they're, there's a little bit of a kinship there. They're both very cerebral-type guys. Um, they're both players, along with Adam Scott, who I thought, really struggled to play golf during a pandemic. And I think it was more than just not having fans on the golf course. Like something happened to all three of those guys where it was something about like, look, I just don't feel right that I'm doing this and something's holding me back from playing my best golf. Now that Rory is sort of broken out and looks like he's playing better. I, I can see Tommy, winning again, very, very soon. And he's had some better results over the past month and a half or so. I can see Tommy winning soon and sort of echoing those Rory McElroy comments, which is, I just need to be me again. I was searching yeah. for something. I'm glad I searched for it. I didn't find what I was looking for. And now I'm back to being me. So I, I do like Tommy Fleetwood here in this limited field. And I like him moving forward as well.
2: Okay. Uh, interesting to me this week, we don't have a ton of data on the golf course, Obviously, they have only played there one time a couple of years ago when Tiger won. Um, but Tommy's a guy who benefits a lot from elite driving, and on a shorter golf course, I wonder if he's going to be able to exploit that benefit more so than you would on a longer golf course. So I get maybe that. that's the one question I would have. Uh, played pretty well, all things considered, from a ball striking perspective at the Ryder Cup. So um, interesting to see. I, I do think there's a lot of validity to that point you make, though. Like those, these are thoughtful guys. It was a complicated time, and maybe they. You know, their mind wasn't completely on the game. They it just wasn't the same kind of player, right? So maybe there is some some validity to that. Um it would kind of dovetail nicely. And look, I love watching Tommy Fleetwood play golf, especially when he's in full flight. So um, could definitely see that happening this week. It'd be a big, big, big
1: possibility. We say that about Rory and Ricky. Like, hey, it, the game is better when these guys are at the top of their games. So when they're playing their best, golf is a better sport for all of us. I would throw Tommy Fleetwood maybe just notch below them, but. Again, same thing. When Tommy Fleetwood is in the mix, when Tommy Fleetwood's playing really well, golf's better. And I think we'd all like to see him playing better golf for the year to come. So we get to this mid-tier sort of, you know, I don't know if there is even a mid-tier. It's kind of drops off a little bit, but uh, there are a few names I like. I'm intrigued by Keegan Bradley, especially maybe like a a first-round leader type of play. Takumi Kanaya is really, really strong. Former world number one, who's now played 24 events as a pro, finished top 10 in half of them. Granted, many of them on the Japan Golf Tour, but look, uh, he's playing against still very good competition and playing better than most of them. And my favorite play of the week, eh, this guy is just, he's one of the more underrated players, gets very little attention. He won the bronze medal the last time he went to Japan. On short golf courses, he really tends to succeed. He's not the longest player. C.T. Pan is better than most people realize. He's my favorite outright play. Look, if you you told me, Justin, hey, everybody in the field is 20 to 1, pick somebody to win, all right, I'm probably going Colin Morikow. But they have these odds things, and so there are prices next to everybody. And so my favorite outright play is not going to be Morikow at 7 to 1, but it is – CT Pan at 45 to 1. I really like him
2: this week. CT Pan, I had written on my sheet. We did not talk about it beforehand. Tied for six, tied for 11th, his last two starts. I talked about the analysis I did of courses under 7,100 yards. He averages under 70 the last four seasons on short courses. it's not near the very top of the list in terms of scoring, but he does outperform his baseline when he's on those shorter golf courses. I like a place where driving distance isn't necessarily going to be a big factor. You think about you know, like the Wyndham championship where he's played so well over the years, that's a golf course where you don't have to be particularly long and hit a ton of irons and, and succeed there. Uh, maybe there's some corollary from that golf course to this one. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I wrote down CT pan for a top 10 finish is one of my favorite plays on the board this week. So I can definitely see him as an outright as well. As we know, kind of the the silver and bronze medalists were a big surprise at the Olympics uh, this year. And he's certainly qualified in that big playoff they had to win the bronze medal. So Yeah, I like that play, too. I like C.T. Pan. I got a guy near him on the odds board that I'm going to tell you. Look, there's only a certain amount of golf courses every year where Brendan Todd knows he can be competitive. Mm. Both of his wins in the fall of 2019 came on golf courses under 7,100 yards, which is where he's going to this week. Four top ten finishes on courses of this length of the last few seasons. Second best scoring average of anyone in the field, second to only Hideki Matsuyama, of, on courses under 7,100 yards over the last four years, 68.4 scoring average, 4.42 uh, birdies are better per round. I really like Brendan Todd as a value play as top 10, maybe top 20 pick. Um, this is a golf course where the link is going to allow him to use his strengths, accuracy, short game. He can exploit that, make some birdies and maybe get in the mix this week.
1: I can see that one last one from me. And last week on the pod, Amanda was filling in for you while you were on vacation. I told her, you know, the one guy who was down towards the bottom that I just thought was mispriced, I said, I, I wasn't going to bet him, but you know for prop plays and, and this one, I, I wish I had been on it more, but Keith Mitchell was 250 to one last week. It just didn't seem to make any sense. Keith Mitchell's been training in the right direction. Of course, he was, I believe, the 36 hole leader and uh, almost the first round leader and our podcast producer, Matt Mitchell, no relation was on him first round leader. I got a very angry text message from Matt Thursday evening when Keith shot a 10 under 62 and was undone by this man that I'm about to mention because I think he's undervalued this week, Sung Kang. I was looking at, I, I had some, some other first round leader possibilities last Thursday. And so I was keeping an eye on what was going on. Sung Kang on the 18th all the par five, drove one into the fairway bunker. He was 265 yards out and you're like, all right, maybe it makes a bogey. And then I, I think I was sitting on Cameron Smith and he was like two back at the time. And okay, maybe Smith can catch him. And you know, this could work out. I can still cash a ticket. Sun Kang got up and down from the bunker. We've all gotten up and down from a bunker once in a while. Usually not from 265. He hit it to 17 <laughs> feet and he made the putt to shoot 61. That's a pretty good way to finish off. He didn't have the greatest week last week, but the results have been decent i think f- between 15th and 47th and four of his last five starts he's 150 to one in a 78 man field where quite frankly you might be able to eliminate 15 to 20 guys before you even start this week i, I think that's a really nice number on sung kang again is he gonna win probably not but you know, top 10 top 20 yeah sure
2: we Got one more guy that i've got my eye on please under the radar, shot 61 Sunday at the CJ Cup. Emiliano Grillo, closed with 61. Gained nearly three full strokes on the field, TD Green in the final round. Seven under on the last six holes. Made a couple of eagles in that span to really, you know, turn a, a, re- a good round or two, like a career best round. Couple that with some really strong numbers on short courses like I've been talking about. Sixth best scoring average in the field on short courses over the last four years. More than four birdies or better per round on those golf courses. Where he can extend, the best part of his game is his iron play he's able to remove the variables of the driver and putter, and that's something you can do on some of these shorter courses, that's where his strengths are. I really like Emiliano Grigio for a top-10 finish.
1: Always say that I like looking at final-round ball-striking numbers, final-round everything numbers for the week before uh, for guys playing back-to-back, and Emiliano Grillo obviously had some really good numbers. All right, let's get to our DraftKings lineup. We do it every week on The Gimme. We do it here on the Links and Locks podcast.
0: Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting.
1: All right, J-Ray, start us off. Where do you want to start this DraftKings line? It's very, very interesting because uh, there, your, your stars, we never figured out a, a good name for this. It's like you say studs and du- uh, I don't want to call them duds stars and something uh, stars and scrubs uh, no they're not scrubs They're not duds they're not scrubs they're 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 valued uh lower priced players I, I I don't have a good term for it though I don't want to make fun of them
2: that's terrible
1: I, yeah that's I got enough ah, we'll I'm figure it hungry. out and I'm really <laughs> I'm all right hurry up we can eat dinner
2: all right, so I'm going to start with Brendan Todd, guy I mentioned earlier, talk about how good he is on shorter golf courses. This is a week where he can let his skills shine. He's got a good price next to his name, just 7,400. Going to save us some money for this top heavy field later on. Brendan Todd's my first pick.
1: I'll do this, the same thing and save us some more money as well. The guy I was just mentioning a minute ago, Sun Kang is 6,300. I mean, he, he just jumped out off the page to me as a guy that is severely mispriced this week. I mentioned Takumi Kanaya. Good player, young guy, playing well in Japan Golf Tour. He's 900 more than a guy who's a PGA Tour regular, a guy that gets into events like this. Sun Kang is severely undervalued this week in every marketplace. I am on him at 6,300.
2: All right. uh, I'll spend a little bit more money with this one. The guy that we both mentioned, um, sight unseen with our notes going into this CT PANs at 8,800 um coming off the you know coming back to the place where we won the bronze medal at the olympics this summer um i think that's a decent price for a guy who i could see having a lot of success this week and we've got 27 five left for our last three
0: yeah if
1: you didn't do it i was going to do it with pan um all right three picks left throw off your flow there he, he's not playing badly i'm taking colin morikawa i i get it he's 11 2 he's probably going to be pretty highly owned i i'm guessing but people are gonna have to drop down i i think it's a good week where if you know golf pretty well if you're doing your research and you're studying up i think you'd have an edge because you say okay well i'm gonna take the i'm taking a morikawa or a Shoffley or a matsuyama but look i kind of understand sung kang isn't just you know chopped liver and he's coming over here playing this event and he's not going to do much like he's a good legit player at a low price so i think that if you do your research, you know your stuff, you're going to be able to find some of those guys to pair with some of the studs. And I'm going with the biggest, most expensive stud on the board, Morikawa. And by the way, I, I mentioned, I, I thought Morikawa should be the favorite in this field. Uh, DraftKings, DraftKings uh, uh, sportsbook as Shoffley, but DraftKings DFS has Morikawa priced higher than Shoffley. So maybe somebody out there agrees with me
2: looks like it uh all right so my last pick our fifth player i'll go with another guy i already mentioned i just like this price and i like as we're structuring this lineup um, you're going to have a decent amount of money after i pick this guy miliano grillo at 9100 told you he shot 61 on sunday in vegas let's hope that ball striking flies over to tokyo and he's able to uh, put together a good week sixth best scoring average in the field among the players that are there this week on short courses over the last four years
1: you left me 7,200, which is a perfect number for my guy. Takumi Kanaya. I, I need a song. We got to get our buddy Sam Harrop back on the show. I want Takumi Kanaya to the tune of Hakuna Matata. What
2: kind of royalties we got to pay for that?
1: I, I don't know. That, Sam pays for it. We just retweet it. So we don't have to worry about
2: point. it. <laughs> yeah. It's got to go like Beatles won Disney songs too in terms of like royalty costs.
1: There's our lineup, Emiliano Grigio, Kanaya Kang, Markawa, Pan, Todd. All right, it's getting late. Thanks so much to everybody for listening to the Links and Locks podcast. He's Justin Ray. I'm Jason Sobel. Remember, wherever you find your podcast, download, subscribe, listen, rate. We thank you so much. Good luck with all your bets for this week's Zozo Championship. Here's hoping you hit the green.